Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, Elsie, the mayor. Now let's get to it. Well, cool. Well, um, Adonica, so grateful <laughs> to have you. I have so many questions. The first thing I always ask my guests to do is to give me their very best, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. How's that? Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Right off the bat, you're somebody that, to say I look up to is an understatement, and it's amazing how you're just going about your business, doing your thing, but there are people that are impacted by what you do by how you do it and why you do it. So um, I'm always like really, really uh, intentional about giving people flowers because if it weren't for folks like you, folks like me wouldn't be able to do what we do. So thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being an inspiration. And thank you for just, again, rolling and flowing in um, in your purpose. <laughs> I like the way you put that. That's that's good because that's generally what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I'm just doing me. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you know. And it affects other people, I'm told, but it's not generally intentional. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the best one, right, when, is when you're just doing what you do, walking in and on purpose, and then everything flows yep. through you. So it's really cool. How'd you get here? You didn't just wake up and now you're running this awesome business and you have all this knowledge and wisdom. Let's dig into the making of a Donico Random. No, how did, how did I get here? To be an engineer uh, and be on company number Three, four, four, and what we do. Well, I grew up kid in St. Louis in the city, product of a 16-year-old mom, matriarch of the family. My grandmother, very strong uh, female matriarch, so we had predominantly that. Uh, my grandmother is was one of 13 kids. Her and her sister, her 14-year-old sister, she was 13, her sister was 14, and they came from Canada to the States. And uh, she sort of was self-made and could do pretty much anything. And her raising me, more than my mother, obviously, with a 16-year-old mother, and a lot of my mother's friends. Uh, my mother had a very, has, still has, a very tight group uh, of friends. I would probably say, you know, I watched my grandmother do a lot of things. She, could, she catered. She did hair. She was a domestic. Uh, so she was an entrepreneur in all those things because she had the ability to just pivot and do different things in you know her lifespan that was money making, and she was good at all of them. And she always said, "You just decide what you want to do and just do it." And um, I probably say, you know, I I am a geek. First of all, I am a sci-fi nerd. I am a Trekkie. The Marvel universe is where I live uh, with all of that. But I saw 
on Star Trek, uh, Nichelle Nichols, which everybody knows passed away last year, uh, on Star Trek, Ohura. And I saw that and said, that's what I want to do. I want to be on Starship. I want to do that stuff. I want to be doing engineering kind of things. Because I love Nichelle Nichols, but I also love Scotty, you know, because he was engineering. And I don't think he ever fixed anything. He really did anything, <laughs> but I thought he did at that age, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, Scotty's cool. Yeah. yeah. But I saw her and I said, oh, my God, I want to do that. And I... I had a scholarship for architecture to uh, Washington U, full ride. I pivoted on that and said, nope, I'm going to this school and I'm doing this thing called computer science, which wasn't a thing in those years. It was new. Uh, the degree, I think, was two years old. And my mother said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> we got money over here. Why are you going to do this thing where there's no money? So I ended up in, the, in, in computer science with a minor in electrical engineering because of what I saw on television, because she was there, so I believed that I could be there, mm. right? The good news in that story is before she died, I did get to tell her mm. in person. Uh, I met her at a one of the sci-fi conferences uh, uh, before her health started failing, and I got to tell her that that was why I was where I was. Wow. And she was the most gracious, uh, still one of the most beautiful women I've ever, even in her uh, later years that I've ever seen or, and met in my career. So that's like the high point. Wow. And uh, But if somebody wants to throw Thor or one of those guys in there, that would be good too. But. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. So, so I, I have a question. What made you go the um, computer science route versus electrical engineering? My wife's a, a double E. I sort of cheated. I took the technology route around yeah. uh, into engineering. <laughs> but I think the difference between the two were like two different, like two classes or something like that. What made yeah. you go computer science versus electrical? Uh, because the computer science looked like the stuff I saw on the Starship. It was very simple. Electrical didn't. Okay. Okay. Right? It was flat. You know, it was very flat and very sort of practical and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the computer lab was Star Trek. Got it. So there's no, there's no contest, right? You get Got in it. there and go, ooh, <laughs> look at all the tape reels. And the, mm -hmm. <laughs> I come mm -hmm. from that era, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So if you saw hidden figures, you saw the equipment I worked on. So, you know, it took up a whole floor and you wow. got all these tape reels and all this stuff. You know, but that looked like Star Trek. It was closer than... Oh, electrical engineering. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. You know, we design, it's flat. We design stuff on paper. You know, you didn't have the CAD CAM systems and all the fancy stuff we got now. It was just, yeah. So. Okay. So, Wash U graduate with uh, uh computer science. Uh, not from Wash U. Wash U is where I had an architectural degree that oh, okay. I didn't go. So, where'd you go to the. I went to University of Missouri, not the ah. Mizzou end. Okay. That's the Big Ten side. Okay. I went to the engineering campus, which is Got all it. we had there. And it was uh, University of Missouri Rolla. Okay. Which uh, we. Still rival MIT, but it's uh, in the middle of the Ozarks. It was very small, uh, a school at that time, and now it's Missouri School of Science and Technology. Got it. So known across the, actually across the world now for the stuff that uh, is produced down there. In the middle of nowhere, and if you weren't down there to be an engineer, you had to go home because there was nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so what, what happens after that? So you graduate with this? Awesome degree. Did you just have it all figured out and then no. boom? First no, company I successful. actually was. Uh, school was boring and all this stuff was boring. It was easy for me, so I found it boring. Didn't know what I was going to do with 
magnetic wave and theory and, and uh, differential equations. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do with all this stuff? So I, I took a co-op internship with General Motors. Okay. Which uh, to date is still my favorite of all the jobs I've ever had because I got to drive with the test drivers on the test track. Because in those days, a lot of the equipment was, well, it wasn't automated. It was still mechanical. So you have to have somebody read the stuff out while the guy is driving at 105 miles an hour on a track or flipping a car over, huh. which I thought was cool. Yeah. It was like, this is great. What I got out of that job was uh, I stayed there. I was supposed to be there for a summer. I stayed for a year and a half because I loved it so much, and they let me do it. And I actually was out of uh, – I came back and graduated with my class. I just took classes there, the miscellaneous ones that I basically hated when I was – down in Rolla, which was accounting and finance stuff. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> no purpose. Yeah. Uh, that's why my COO is always with me because it's like <laughs> she likes that stuff. Yeah. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So I went there with the classes from Rolla, but when I was up at General Motors, I figured out what to do with all of the math I had in the background classes and the computer science and all of the pieces. Mm-hmm. So, so as it worked out for me, I stayed there and I was, I know, because I, you know, I, I taught college for quite a while here in Milwaukee with Alverno for about 20 years. And students generally take somewhere between 14 and 16 classes, hours. School is a job. Why are you taking 14 credits? I always took 22 and 23. 22? It's easy. Why would you do that? What else you got to do? <laughs> I told you, you're at a school where there's nothing else to do. You're in the middle of the Ozarks. There's nothing so you else just to do. Go to school, study, and yeah. repeat. Yeah. And then you get out in three years. You don't need to be there for Not five. Five or six. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have five or six money. Got it. Now, so that was the part I figured out. It's like, yeah. ooh, okay, this is expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you came in here on a scholarship. Richard Nixon, and I recall, messed that up for everybody. Folks were going to war, Vietnam, all that other stuff. So a lot of the scholarship things started drying up for students. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I need to get out of here. And so you take 22, 23 credit hours. Yeah. You, know, you don't, like I said, what else you got to do? Yeah. So, okay. So you are at General Motors. You're starting to put the pieces together. Like, yeah, okay, GM here's... was an internship. And okay. Yeah. And I came out of General Motors and went to uh, GE, right? Yeah. GE for 10 years. Okay. GE Healthcare, which was here. Uh, out in Waukesha, it was young. They had less than 800 employees. We had no line on their financial report. Nobody knew who we were. And that was fun because that was a good time to grow with a company that was growing like that. So mm-hmm. GE Healthcare, obviously everybody in the world knows who that is now. But mm-hmm. in those days, nobody knew what, they didn't know what we were doing. Wow. You know. Wow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always curious to know because obviously a accent. That's not your first rodeo in terms of businesses. Tell me a little bit about that journey. What what businesses, when did you know you wanted to be in business? And tell me a little bit about that, those lessons that you learned. Okay. I still don't want to own a company. I never started out to own a company. I worked for large corporate America. I worked for GE Healthcare. I worked for IBM for 10 years. I worked for A.L. Smith. Here, everybody laughs about the, uh, we used to call the ATM's time machines. Yeah, yeah. Because they were created here. Uh-huh. 
And that was, I was part of that team that created that right off of Good Hope Road here. What? Yeah, folks wait, were even, no, wait, wait, wait. the time machine system was created in Milwaukee. And you were on the team that created Smith. the time machine. Yes, and, you know, it was take your money everywhere. Nobody what? knew that stood, and they said ATM, and we're like, no, nah, I don't, it's the same. You know, nobody knows what either one of them means. Wow. So that was when I worked for A.O. Smith and uh, ran the, the uh, technology group there. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a bunch of PhDs and College kids working. It was the craziest combination. Yeah. But we were working with supercomputers and things that people, the technology wasn't in people's houses. It wasn't, you know, these were big machines with real long run times, weeks. Mm. So for my kids, they have these little devices. Mm-hmm. My son, he, he gets in my car one day and we had one of the, remember they used to have the DVD players that you put on the back mm-hmm. of the um, the headrest? Yes, because we he, had a car that did yeah. that for my kids. Yeah. 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 He, he, he gets in the car. And he looks at it, and he's like, Dad, what is that? I know. Because <laughs> he had never, right. everything is streaming and on his device. Yes. So, like, how do you go from, like, there to here? Like, just witnessing the changes in technology and how fast it's changing. Because his sister, who's about six or seven years older than him, that was her thing, right? Yes, right. But in just that short amount of time, it's already old technology. So how do you stay adaptable when things are, are changing so fast? Well, first of all, you have to have the mind that it is going to change fast. The business I'm in, we've pivoted, I don't know how many times, because of the change in the business. Uh, the model we have now is not the model we had in 2013 because we had to change it. Uh, we had to adapt or die. Mm. And, uh, you know, they always talk about small businesses, four out of five will be gone, you know, in less than five years. And it's because they don't adapt. They mm-hmm. can't adapt. Yeah. You know, and I'm in tech. I like tech. I am immersed in it. I live in this world. This is the world I've chosen to live in, and it moves at the speed of light. And if you're not willing to move with it, then you need to probably be somewhere else because you won't survive mm-hmm. uh, very long in mm-hmm. it. Everything you know is old except for the fact that Everything is based off of the same thing it was based off of in the 70s when I went to college. Yeah. So for the people who go to boot camp, that's nice, but they've memorized their stuff. We haven't, my age group didn't memorize it. We were it. We were involved in it. We were in, anchored in it. So realistically, a computer is no different than it was mm. 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. The components are just faster, smaller, and cheaper. Mm. there's absolutely no difference. So mm-hmm. I don't fill a room with the stuff that we had. And so you can stream where you couldn't do that before mm-hmm. because now you've got a network. you got Wi-Fi or you got, you know, Elon, Skylink, you got... But you but those the principles of those things are the same. Mm. Mm. The principles didn't change. So if you are embedded in it from the ground up, we're a little bit more adaptable. I think uh, the concern I have now... Uh, with the accelerated way that we have people learning things and doing things, it leads to a lot of the problems we're having because they don't understand the fundamentals. Mm. And if you understood the fundamentals, mm-hmm. you can lock things down better, you can make things easier mm-hmm. uh, because the fundamentals really haven't changed that much. Yeah. Now, yeah. the stuff on top of it is made it easier for the end user. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the fundamentals are still. We're still having to hold it together up under up under the piece that's out there. Mm-hmm. So. so what are the fundamentals of adaptability? I sense that that's a superpower or a strength of yours. Um, you even and mentioned it just before. Are, so what are, what are the fundamentals of adaptability? Because not everybody's able to do it, which is why. The first one is uh, you feel you know more than everybody else. Therefore, you don't have to change. 
Mm. That's a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and you're not paying attention to the things that you should be paying attention to, mm. the cues, the things that are coming at you. And whether they're coming from social media or coming from the news or coming from, you're not paying attention to what they are saying mm. because it's the old X-File thing. The truth is out there. Yeah. But you got to know it when you see it, mm. right? And mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention, then you don't see it. You yeah. miss it and say, I don't understand how this happened and now we have to close our business. I don't have to understand how these things happen. And I mean, the world is not stagnant because we're not part of the world. We're not part of the U.S. anymore. And in the 70s, let's face it, we were really part of the U.S., right? And now we're part of the world. So what happens in Venezuela does matter. What happens in Greece does matter. What happens in Canada or China, it all matters, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what type of business. Uh, we're really doing. It has some effect on us. And this thing with the Ukraine, you start, you see it, right? It's affecting everything from gas and all to food to, okay, so how do you deal with that? Because mm-hmm. it's going to have some impact on what all of us are trying to do. Yeah. I went for um, to lunch with my wife the other day and she got me a burger because I like uh, Red yeah. Robin. Oh, me too. Um, with the egg on it. Yeah. And I was teasing her. I was like, I'm going to put this on social media and like hold my pinky up because I have an egg on <laughs> my burger. I know. eggs are super now, expensive. This is a $10 like, egg. I didn't even, I, I, not that I thought she was lying, but when she came home and she's like, you know, eggs are $9. It didn't register, yeah. but eggs are $9. I know. A so carton. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, it's know. unbelievable. And I'm almost twice your age. So I remember eggs being like 75 cents. Yeah. Right for a carton, and even uh, out here at the markets we have and all that stuff. You know, last summer eggs were you could get fresh eggs from one of the farm guys for like two to three bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so why so why do you think people have such a hard time adapting? The really big example that stands out in my mind is Blockbuster and uh, Netflix. Right? Mm-hmm. Why do you think even on a smaller scale, people have such a hard time adapting, even when the signals are there? We don't like change. The average person doesn't like change. If they get somewhere and they're comfortable in the where that they are, they don't want to change. Most people don't like to live in in the eye of the hurricane. Mm. That's not where they want to be. They're very uncomfortable there because uh, it's it's kind of crazy. But we have so many things on the edge of just going off a cliff because you have the masses who don't want to change. You know, everything from you know education and how we do it to airlines with their archaic systems. To I mean, just think about it. All of those things are there because people don't want to change or they don't want the the impact of the change. Mm. Okay, because even if they want to change. It generally costs something, and it's not always money, but it will. It always has. A, it always exacts a price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about your business uh, for a minute. You you said earlier you still don't want to be a <laughs> business owner. No. <laughs> so so what? So what? What do you guys do? And it's a what? Lot of what is stuff? What is your? Uh, because I get the sense that you um, you're okay with being in the eye of the hurricane, and you you are self aware enough to know where you need help. Your CEO is here. Um, and I, we were joking before we hit record. She's, you know, she's keeping you in line. So yep. there's, there's some self-awareness, right? <laughs> there's right. some, why do you think that business owners, they lack in self-awareness and, and they lack in surrounding themselves with the pieces that they need? Well, I'll go back to the thing A. What a Baxon does is we're 21 years old. We were formed in 2002. 
So talk about the eye of a hurricane right after Y2K, right? And then being 21 years old, we survived 2008, financial crash, and the last couple of years, the pandemic. So every time this comes around, it's like, ugh, been to this goat rodeo, right? We're going to do this again. What we are now is a technology broker house. People don't know what that is, so we always have to explain to them. One, what it says on my card is it says common to chaos. So I know I'm in the eye of the hurricane. Everything we do is, that's the reminder. And I've had people try to change my logo, marketing people and all this. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's that's where we live. We are always on the edge of where technology is going and what technology is doing. Mm-hmm. And being a technology broker was something when I wrote my business plan 22 years ago, said this is what I wanted to do. And everybody said, no, there's no such thing and you can't do that. I said, well, I don't know anything else. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. What that means is, let me give you an example. When I started in the 70s, there were a handful of less than 40 technology companies, right? And they were all big names and not a whole bunch of side ones or small ones. And it was easy to control. So you could have a business that had people who only did Microsoft. There wasn't even a Google in those days, right? I mean, they only did Microsoft stuff and they only did these kind of programs. Fast forward to where we are now, there's over 5,000 of these companies. No company can have enough people on staff that do those 5,000 things. It's physically impossible. IBM can't do it. And being an ex-IBMer, if IBM can't do it, nobody can do it, right, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, So you don't have the capacity to do that realistically. Mm -hmm. So the companies who provide these services have to choose. I have to choose 100 or 200 vendors that I can work with. Well, what if you're the customer that doesn't want that 100 or 200? You want the other thing that's over here. Mm -hmm. So we basically shut down the other business we had that was set up like everybody else's and decided we would broker those technology services instead. Mm -hmm. So our relationship is with virtually everybody. So if uh, we work with vendors that have very streamlined product lines, but they don't do the things that are outside the lines for them. Mm -hmm. So when we partner together, we can bring those outside the line Mm -hmm. pieces together. With the work we did on the Pfizer Forum, That's what we did. We basically became the general contractor for IT services under Johnson Controls. Mm. So we could do the things that Johnson Controls couldn't do or didn't want to do, and uh, we could bring in pieces of the puzzle that they didn't have. So being a broker, we basically, if it exists on the planet, we go find it. Mm. The other advantage to that is being a diverse company, Mm -hmm. generally we can only execute with what we can afford. We're not in that place. We can afford anything because all we have to do is go get it. It's not in the back room. We're looking for the best talent in whatever that ERP system is or that technology or this new thing that's coming down the line. And we have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, so we're more wrangling things, uh, which makes it unnerving for some people because we don't know. We solve problems. Because I always have people say, what do you sell? We sell solutions. Mm. Now, we sell solutions that are fixing whatever problem that you're having that technology can come in and fix. Now, technology followed by the people who do that, that's what we do. That's very broad. And people say, well, that's too much. Well, it's really not because I'm not the delivery of those services. I just have to know where they are. Mm-hmm. My partners deliver them. And I have all my partners are the best at what they do in their space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That's a that's a, a brilliant business model. I worked for a company, you know, my, my as I told you before, we mm-hmm. hit record. My background is in engineering as uh-huh. well, and I eventually got a job as a substation engineer mm-hmm. uh, with a company here uh, in the Greater Milwaukee area, and that was their business model. They owned the assets, but then they would contract everything else out. So yes. we, I was basically a consultant. So I would uh, essentially babysit um, adults um, on site and you know right. reviewing drawings and things like that. So, um, and I always thought that that was a really really neat business model because a lot of people don't appreciate the leadership that is needed, the organization, mm-hmm. the difficulty getting everybody marching in the same direction to one common goal. Um, there, when you don't own them. It's a ton of value in right, that. Right, when you don't own them, yeah, right? So yeah. everybody's marching in that. But yeah. when you do it right, yeah, uh, the Pfizer form technology inside that stadium is what it looks like. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, and it's an opportunity. So uh, we explain to people a lot of times we really are a general general contractor for IT. The architect, and see, it's back to my architect days, right, when I started there. Yeah. Uh, the architect doesn't own the plumber or the electrician or the cabinet maker, but he damn well better know where the best ones are, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because his reputation with that house and the end product is resting at the architectural level. It's not really the folks who are doing the stuff at the other level, Mm -hmm. but they got to be good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Now, did you shift to that business model out of necessity or was it a situation where you discover that, hey, this is an area or a lane that I'm really, really good at? I would say it's probably a combination of both because when we shifted, the 2013 era was about the time that the offshore onslaught from all these other countries started coming in with cheap labor into the U.S. Mm. And we were doing traditional staffing as part of what we were doing. And I mean, it just unnerved a lot of major companies, the big ones, not just us. I mean, it was everybody. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a lot of uh, offshore resources that are in the U.S. now versus your U.S. resources that are still, you know, in the 50 or $60 range. And you got countries coming in, you know, at 19 bucks an hour. And, you know, America loved that cheap, free labor. Yeah. So <laughs> so guess which way they went, Yeah. Uh, which we're now all undoing for a lot of reasons. And cyber would be the big one. But it was that combination of not wanting to thrash around this thing going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that the technology was getting so proliferated that we had to do something else. We certainly couldn't afford to hire as many people as we needed across as many vast product sets mm-hmm. as we needed to do. And as I'm watching my large corporate counterparts struggling with this, there's no way we're going to, you know, they can't, they're trying to figure out uh, how in the heck are we going to do this with all of this technology out here. Mm-hmm. So again, it's reading the signs and yeah. it's, and I would say too, it's having, I have been blessed to have very good mentors. It's very important. I've had very smart business people, who said, you know, I had one who said, you know, Adonica, you got to learn to uh, listen to the news programs in the morning. It's boring, <laughs> but after about a year, you'll get used to it yeah. and you'll get used to hearing it. You got to pay attention to the stock market. Doesn't matter that I have stock or not. It's telling you what those businesses are doing mm-hmm. and the direction that they're going. Yeah. And I'm not in corporate America anymore, but we have corporate level clients. And even if we don't, the tier one clients we have have corporate level clients. So that stuff is all flowing down. It's all a flow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to your so, earlier point, it's all connected. Yes, it's, 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 yeah, a larger... it's, a, it's an ecosystem that's all connected and you can't disconnect any of the pieces from it. And I think that's one of the things that knocks people out of business. They, they say, well, I didn't see that coming. Well, you got to pay attention, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah. It's like the living dead. They're coming for you. There's things behind you. You got to look. You got to see it back there, you know, and you know it's out there, Mm -hmm. but you don't know what direction it's coming from. So Mm -hmm. you got to find a way to pay attention to those things. And And it's not easy. You know, because we just get deluged with all of this information, and you got to find streams of it that you in, in bites that you can absorb. Mm-hmm. So I belong to a couple of executive level groups where we talk to each other, and they're not technical. I mean, it's one of everybody. It's all different kind because they're again, it's an ecosystem. It's all different kind of businesses. It's not just about what we do in tech. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what the, the the restaurants are doing. It's yeah. what these the you know what Coles and Costco are doing it's what what are people doing because they see things coming that a lot of times we're not paying attention to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you have a business philosophy just go get some <laughs> some business we put ourselves in the place of solving people's problems because we like helping people mm-hmm. our helping people has brought our partners along with us and they benefit from what we do. And when they benefit, then their employees benefit and all the people around us benefit. Mm-hmm. If the business has a purpose, and um, I listened to somebody the other day that said, if because they talk about entrepreneurs, and the, the thing is, if you have a service that nobody wants, it serves no value. Yeah. So the goal is to always be on the front edge of something somebody wants. Do you have um, a personal philosophy? Yeah, I think it's the same as the business. It's no different. You know, I could have retired... 10 years ago, I don't know to do what, which is why I'm not retired. If somebody says, well, you can retire, I said, do what? And they say, well, you can travel, you can do this. I can do that right now. I can do that anyway. Mm. I own the business. I can be wherever I want to be. And the yeah. business I'm in, I can be anywhere because we can do the stuff we do here anywhere in the world. Now, where did you get that? Because that's not normal. <laughs> what does that mean? That's not normal. Loved. We were on a cruise ship, and then we hung out over there for a while because we said, oh, this is cool. We think we'll stay a couple more days. Yeah. I got a phone. You know, my directors, the people here are self-sufficient, and I talk to my director every day. We just had to figure out with a 16-hour time difference when we were doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we touched base, been on multiple cruise ships. They got Wi-Fi. They got Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, this, uh, you know, I mean— 20 years ago, this would probably be hard to do because the communication would not be as flawless as it is now. But, I mean, you'd virtually be on the moon and have, you know, instant communication. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we just need to be in contact with each other. Yeah. I would pretty much say everybody on the staff says, oh, well, I'm going to take these two or three days off, but I'm taking my laptop. That means don't bother me for miscellaneous stuff. But if something comes up, you know, I'm available and I can get it on the lap. Everybody sort of has that attitude because it's I find it interesting that everybody's kind of these companies are freaking out about the, you know, putting butts back in seats for remote workers versus not. It's really not about remote workers versus not. It's about real estate. Mm -hmm. Okay, if I got a whole lot of real estate, and I won't mention any people in this town that have a lot of it, I want butts and seed in that real estate. Because mm-hmm. other than that, if I don't have real estate, why do you care? Mm-hmm. And I've had people challenge me and say, well, people learn better when they're under tutelage or they're watching somebody or doing something. Most people are doing both. Mm-hmm. My staff has always been spread out. Mm-hmm. You know, we got folks in Arizona. We got folks in Florida. We got folks in North Carolina. We got, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't impact what we're doing. And if we need to be together, you're flying and you're together. And then you, you know, it's like a basketball team. You say, okay, we're going to execute this plan. And everybody goes back to where they are and they do what they do. I think responsible adults, the key is if you hire good people, 
And those people are responsible to begin with. And they had the same philosophy that I have, which is, you know, we're doing what we do because we love what we do and we're helping people when we do it. It's no different than working for a nonprofit or any of those other things. We just sort of go do it. Mm -hmm. Now, if work is not what you want to do, then work is not what you want to do and you're on the wrong team. And, you know, you don't we don't ingest those kind of people because that's not who we are. Mm -hmm. And we made a few mistakes along the way, but we normally get rid of them. And normally the group gets rid of them. Mm -hmm. Donica doesn't have to get rid of them. The group sees that this is just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. No, it's just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing. I know IBM used to always have the philosophy of uh, you fire people into a better position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the position they're in right now is not the one that they should be in. And people don't do well when they're not matched to where they actually need to be. Yeah, yeah. There was that was a master class in, in leadership. Right. We, talk, we talked about the fact that you could be anywhere <laughs> in the world and, and your business still run. Right. But the, the underlying concept there is you can do that because you've built a team that's capable, that loves what they do and they know what to do because you've provided their leadership and a culture that allows them to do that. Right. I don't need to be anywhere. They are more than capable. Most times they're more than capable of making the decision. They already know what the answer is before they call me. I'm trying to get them not to call me. <laughs> <laughs> just don't call me. Just do it. No. Yes. So what's your uh, favorite vacay spot for last year? Well, we own a couple of weeks down in Cabo. Okay. We love Cabo. Everybody has now discovered Cabo, so we'll probably have to go love somewhere else. It's starting to get a little crowded down okay, there. Okay. You know, because that's it's not the uh, 20-year-old vacation spot like the other places in Mexico because we're too old. We don't like that. We just It's kind of low-key and warm and lots of sand and lots of sun. And uh, we like to go down there and watch the whales and, and just hang out uh, down there. And if you get off the U.S., I don't know, probably... Ooh, Italy is my second choice. Tuscany. Okay. okay. Love Tuscany. If I had to leave the United States, that's that's where I'm heading. Okay. <laughs> I'm going over there. My Italian is horrible, but eh, we'll pick it up. <laughs> yeah. So Got uh, it. those two places probably. Yeah. Favorite Marvel superhero. Oh, that's tough. Obviously female, I have to go with uh, Black Widow. Okay. Male I have to take the good looks out of it. Shoot. Hold on. That's <laughs> lots of a superhero. Is Deadpool a superhero? He's yeah, just coming over yeah, to Marvel. Yeah. I, I just, I love the pool. I can't help it. What, what, what about him? Because he's the person that everybody really wants to be. Yeah. But you can't because it's just not proper. Got it. So I think that's why I like him the most because he just. He just does what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and he doesn't really care no, what anybody else No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that that was a, not a good move. But, you know, he, you know so I, I think he's the most realistic of all the superheroes, right? Because he just, he's got the power. He can do that kind of stuff. But he's more human, I think, than the other ones uh, because he does stupid stuff. And yeah. he just kind of does what he wants to do. Yeah. You know, the rest of them have to weigh it. It's like is this the right thing to do? Yeah. You know, and then they got to discuss it. It's like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just jump off the cliff. Yeah. Just, just go for it. Yeah. yeah. If you had to give advice to an entrepreneur or business owner that's listening right now, what would it be? Uh, don't let anybody tell you that what you're looking at, as long as it's something people need or want, is not what you should be doing. You do it because you think that that's that's out there. You don't do it because you saw people and they were successful in this field or that field or the other field. You do the thing 
that is going to make you get up in the morning. That's the simple fact. Because if you don't want to get up in the morning, you shouldn't be doing it. On that note, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> if, if people want to reach out to you, learn more about you, what you do, how can they do that? They can find me on LinkedIn. It's not that many Adonica's out there. I saw Adonica Randall or, you know. Uh, on LinkedIn uh, is the easiest way to get a hold of me. I actually do read my LinkedIn. <laughs> I read those better than I do my email. <laughs> Got it. Well, cool. Thank you so much for, uh, for the this time. This was fun. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't just... horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> All righty. Thanks so much. Thank you. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.